0: Welcome back to the Midweek Debrief Season 3. I'm Jasper and I ride a black Triumph Scrambler 900. Here's how it sounds.
1: I'm Jed and I ride a straight pipe Triumph Bonneville. Here's how it sounds.
0: Join us each week as we catch up, discuss the latest headlines in the biking world, tackle a topic and answer your questions. We also have some exciting guest interviews lined up for this season, so stay tuned.
1: This episode is brought to you by Motone Customs. If you're like us and you're always looking for the next custom part for your bike, Motone has loads on offer, from headlight to taillight and everything in between. With daily worldwide dispatch, Motone are here to cater for all your custom needs. Check out what's on offer at www.motone.co.uk.
0: And we're back. Welcome back to Midweek Debris, Season 3, Episode 2. Jed, how's it going?
1: It's going well. My face is feeling quite tight from the weekend. It's uh, a nice shade of tomato. Yeah, well, uh, what a weekend it was. Oh, it was fantastic. You know, we, the first day was a bit on the cloudy side, but it really looked up towards Sunday. And uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about, of course, the Malay Beach Race.
0: Yeah. So we set off from London
1: at... Well, what time did we leave London? Well, it always gets delayed. So whenever you try and yeah. plan these things... You know, there's always things that jump up and you start chatting and, you know, getting the last few bits together and packing the luggage and stuff. So we were aiming to leave at 6pm on Friday evening and it ended up being more like uh, half past six maybe by the time we were checking out the bikes and stuff. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Because we,
0: we aim to, you're like, right, let's leave at this time. And then I turn up and we just want to catch up and we end up chatting. Yeah, the, the next easily week, done. You know, half an hour has gone by.
1: It's easily done. So by the time we got everything on the bikes and set off, I think it was just after half past six. And we headed out of town, uh, met another friend, and then we all just beelined down the motorway because it was getting dark and it was a bit sort of, it was foggy, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, there was a weird kind of uh, grease on the road as well. It was greasy it was funny, but at least it wasn't too cold.
1: No, it wasn't too bad.
0: I was very impressed with your luggage setup.
1: Well, yeah, this is a, a challenge in itself. The seat on my bike is quite short, so I just about get my girlfriend on the back as a pillion. So we've got two lots of luggage. So first we've got her on the back with a rucksack which is pretty full, quite a heavy bag. And then I've got this big leather duffel bag that I sort of sit on my knees across the tank with the the shoulder strap around my neck. And then my girlfriend reaches under my arms and holds on to like the top handle of the duffel bag. So it's it's quite a setup. It's remarkable
0: to watch. I couldn't believe how well you were filtering through the London traffic.
1: <laughs> That's a compliment. With
0: no, seriously. I mean it's it's something to behold. I mean, I'm there on the bike and I think I'm loaded up. And then I look over at you and it's just, it's amazing. But testament to her, how she, how she holds on. and
1: Oh, she does a great job. On,
0: on the end of that little seat.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. So it was it was a nice cruise down. And we turned up at Margate at, uh, must have been about 9.30 p.m. It was, the wind was just blowing at the side. Oh, sight. yeah.
1: If you saw the story as we arrived, you would have seen the flags and stuff blowing on the beach. And it, we thought, well, it's going to be like this tomorrow. It's going to be chaos. Yeah. I
0: was just so happy to get down there I mean obviously I'd had three weeks without my bike and on the last episode I was saying I don't even know if I could make it down and I was almost planning my kind of worst case scenario (laughs) plan B B, basically Uh, so I was so happy to be back on the scrambler
1: yeah no, it was good Um, to have you
0: back yeah and you know it it all been running uh, pretty well so uh, you know we checked into our Airbnb and then had a bit of kip and then off we went
1: yeah rise and shine the early Saturday morning to uh, kick off day one of the beach race yeah, it was uh,
0: it was awesome. I mean, we had a fairly sort of relaxed get up, didn't we? Cause we, we know that Malay don't always run on time.
1: Yeah, what's it, it's Malay mean time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we we got to the beach. I think the debrief was scheduled for uh, around 10 o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning. And we got there probably half past nine or something. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there. But it's quite cool because the same feeling as last year, you know, all the bikes are lined up on the beachfront. And as you cruise past to park your bike up while you wait for the, the briefing, Um, You get to have a look at all the machines and I think it was even more varied this year than it was last year.
0: Yeah, there was just a whole range of bikes. It's always such a good vibe just on that sun deck with everyone turning up, everyone's excited. It's just, you know, sun wasn't shining necessarily, but the, you know, everyone was, everyone was in good spirits. The vibe was there. Yeah, the vibe was there. And to be honest, you know, I've heard people in the past saying, oh, it's annoying, you know, everything's running late, but I actually think it's kind of nice sometimes because it means you can catch up with people you haven't seen in a while and, and all that sort of stuff and no one's
1: really in a hurry. Yeah, I think if it was really, really structured, it would become, it would take the fun out of it. So being a bit loose and um, spontaneous makes it exciting, because all of a sudden they, they say, right, we're briefing now, and then let's go, and then everyone runs to their bikes, and they're you're sort of dropping egg and sausage sandwiches on the floor, <laughs> yeah. and coffees are left half full, and then the, everyone's jumping on bikes, it's carnage, and there's two-stroke smoke, and yeah, it's just chaos.
0: Yeah, I um. I'd really miss that smell of two-stroke fuel.
1: Yeah, it's been a while.
0: And I think it's a really different smell when it's like a vintage bike. I don't know. Do you know why that yeah. is?
1: Well, I, I I couldn't tell you, but even the, the vintage four-strokes yeah, they have yeah, like yeah, a yeah. different
0: smell. That's what I mean. And it's different because uh, as soon as I smell it, I'm like, yep, we're at a Malay event. Yep. It's, it's so interesting <laughs> that that happens. Yeah. And so we headed down to the beach. It's always like, you know, the bikes are so clean. As we yeah. always say, we spend the whole of winter trying to avoid the salt. And then, and then we're diving
1: headfirst into it.
0: Yeah, and it, I always have a moment where it's like first wheel goes into the sand. I'm like, right, here we go. And then pff, you just go for on. It. Come the revs. Yeah, exactly. You forget about it. Um, but it's always a funny feeling getting back onto the sand, isn't it? After it is. after a year.
1: Well, yeah, because you don't really experience it anywhere else apart from the beach race. I mean, there's very few places in the UK where you can actually legally ride on a beach, so um, it's a unique experience. But. It's always tricky because that first bit of sand as you go down the concrete ramp onto the beach it's quite thick and powdery and it's quite deep and loose so you you get into it and the front end starts drifting around and the back end sinking in (laughs) and everyone's sort of pedaling their bikes to try and get them out (laughs)
0: yeah it was just it's always carnage going down that ramp i think i told you i was standing um just kind of waiting for my bike to warm up and for you to put your helmet on and i was just peering over the barrier and i watched a lady come down and she was she looked kind of nervous if you like yeah and just as she reached the end of the uh, the ramp, she just hit the front brake, bike went down, oh, clutch, lever snapped. snap, just like that. I mean, she must have been 30 centimetres from the sand. It's like... Oh, it's so I mean, easy
1: to have a game over like that. I know,
0: I know. It's just so gutting. But obviously, as we were coming down the ramp, there was that Red Bull Mini that was stuck. And <laughs> everyone will know what, what we mean by Red Bull. You know, it's one of those older Minis with like a massive Red Bull can. At up the back. 45 degrees <laughs> up the back. And, you know, this is like pretty deep sand. And they've just gone yeah all right we'll get through that and no chance and they've, they've got stuck straight away
1: yeah but once everyone was down at the beach they'd fenced off like a pit area so everyone gets in there and it's also this soft sand so you sort of stick your bike in first gear hold the front brake on and then just dig the back tire and and that is your your kickstand I suppose because the sand's so soft you can't use your kickstand um
0: yeah last year they'd had a bunch of like sort of off cuts of plywood but uh yeah, I think they had to ditch those this year. because yeah. They were getting
1: left around. Yeah,
0: there were none of those this year. I didn't see any, but a, a lot of people were um were like folding up empty like water cans and, yeah. and trying to do that. But it's never as stable as you think.
1: No, it just slow. It it stops the sinking for a bit, but it just yeah. slows it down more than anything. No, exactly. So,
0: what was the first race? It was the uh, it's the sprint, it's the sprint.
1: Yeah, and I think the classes were reversed from last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My memory. Because I think, I think yeah, we, we were last, didn't we? Yeah, it sucks going last. <laughs> yeah, because the sand's all churned up and it's, you know, it's sloppy. And Just we were in the said... middle somewhere though, weren't we? Yeah, we were in the middle. But it's always nice to kind of soak
0: in the vibes and then you put your helmet on. And it's always such a feeling, isn't it? When when you know you're about to go up, it's like the adrenaline starts yeah. pumping. And I think I said to you, the, the weather was quite cold. And all of a sudden it's like, has it warmed up? Because yeah. <laughs> <'cause laughs> the adrenaline... Yeah, exactly had you let any air out of your tires oh, or yes. the racing well
1: <laughs> let's get on to this story yeah. so when you're riding on dirt or sand or whatever it's good to let a bit of air out of your tires because what it does is it spreads the surface area of the tire out and gives you more traction same for cars same for bikes so i didn't have a tire pressure gauge on me and last year's beach race my tires were quite hard so i was struggling to get a good start in the sprint i was snaking all over the place so this year i thought yeah i let a bit of air out so i started letting the air out and i'm feeling it letting the air out feeling it and i let, let a little bit out stopped i thought okay that's perfect put the, uh, the valve cap back on and i was riding around like a clear section of the beach just practicing warming up a bit and it felt good and it felt good it felt really good and i was looking back at my tire and it, it was progressively getting softer <laughs> I, I do thought,
0: remember seeing you give it a sort of squish with your hands and i thought
1: wow mate there's not much yeah. air in that no it was pretty soft it, it probably had about two psi in it um <laughs> when you should have maybe eight but first race went underway it was fine i'd probably got about three races in on the sprint three or four races in the sprint i just just lost by about half a bike length to an africa twin that had been sort of converted into a scrambler oh
0: was that was that was that the one that was like loaded up with sheepskin no
1: no, no it wasn't that one <laughs> that one was wild <laughs> that was wild this one was a bit more um conventional looking and uh he just edged me yeah. at the end of the race you know it was double the horsepower at least so I come back and I'm, you know, congratulating him, whatever. And I'm about to roll around to leave to go into the pit, And I just let the clutch out and the bike doesn't move. I look down, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I look at my rear wheel and the rim is just spinning inside the tyre.
0: <laughs> I, was, I was right next to you. I remember I looked at you and it was just the look on your face when you realise what oh, it's happened. happening.
1: It it it's gutting. So I look down I think, like, oh no, this is it. My beat race is over. Because where am I going to get a tube fitted? You know, it's the middle of the day on Saturday. The Mallet One coming up. I want to be racing in that. And I haven't <laughs> got the time. So fortunately, everyone at the Mallet events is always super helpful. And uh, someone came up to me and said, look, there's a guy over there who's brought a trailer down. And the guy actually happens to be, his name's Adrian from 00 Racing. Now, they specialize, they're based in Sandwich. And they do a lot of classic bikes and stuff. But they also specialize in monkey bikes. You had a monkey bike, didn't you? I had a monkey bike years ago. And I bought parts from them. So that's how he had this flat cap, but no, yes, he had this oversized beanie on with yeah. the floppy. Bit Is that of the his top. look. That's his look with like these mirrored shades. And it was only after he took the shades off, I was like, "No way!" Yeah, so he'd come down with his like vintage Ford tractor with this trailer, pulled it on, and he was like, "Yep, yeah, we've got the tools and stuff. Get the tube, and we'll get it swapped over." So I jumped on Jasper scrambler, which was a bit of a different experience in the yeah, sand. How was that? Just quickly tell well, me. Well, I can't get used to it. What do you, what you the, mean the by that? the front end went really loose for me okay what well, is that but well, why would it why would it feel loose i don't know if it's the seating position you know my bars are so swept back yeah i don't have it sitting more forward in it but it just felt a bit sketchy for me I, but, and when, once you got onto the tarmac how was it oh it was all good yeah yeah it's perfect on the tarmac it sounds great does it feel very different to yours the you know what yeah the heart the the extra ground clearance and the height yeah feels different yeah it feels like a bigger bike than mine but you know the it's essentially the same thing uh the engine the power delivery you can feel it's different it's got that different crank yeah that different um firing cycle but no it was great so
0: you went to some local shop and then they had an inner tube in stock yeah luckily that is so lucky i mean really lucky so you grabbed it and then what you sort of shove it under your jumper or something
1: yeah i had it this cardboard box with inner tube under my jumper rode back to the beach and um literally popped the tire off with some spanners and we got the new tube in Filled it up with a compressor and the wheel was back in and we were ready to go. All in time for the Malay 100. It was amazing. So yeah, hats off to them for being there because I think they helped a few people out. Um, but yeah, yeah, and I
0: think they were also saying that they were they weren't they weren't there on behalf of Malay.
1: No, 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 they just did it off their own back.
0: Yeah, he was like, oh, I, you know, I thought I'd come down and it's nice to have a job to do. So yeah. and he's bought the he's bought that old tractor. I mean, how do you think he brought the tractor down? Well, I
1: have no idea because they're based in Sandwich. How far is that from Margate? <laughs> it's a bit of a trek. Yeah. Especially in an old Ford tractor pulling the trailer as well. Pulling the trailer as well. I mean they they must have had some sort of lorry. Got to have done
0: who knows what. It's a it's a bloody good effort considering is, they yeah, yeah. they weren't being paid for it. No, I know. Okay, so then you progressed on to the Malay 100. How was that?
1: So compared to last year it was much sketchier on really? the Saturday. Yes, yeah, on yeah. the Saturday. Um the sand was just very wet and moist in the whole track last year it was sort of dry at the top half and as you got nearer to the sea it got a bit wet
0: yeah it feels like we had more beach last year
1: well saying that yesterday was uh well yeah that's
0: true actually yesterday was
1: way better way better yeah so so malay 100 was great good to be riding some laps and you know that le mans start so much fun yeah someone holding your bike up you're just itching to go waiting for the flags to drop me sprint across jump on and uh it was good it's really good
0: the malay 100 happened the the rest of the day was pretty what it was pretty cruisy the sun came
1: out eventually didn't it which was really nice it did No, it came out towards the end of the day and um i think it lifted the mood yeah 100 percent for the next day yeah definitely 100 percent. and then it was basically
0: back up onto the sun deck and a couple of beers and
1: yeah beers yeah. catching up with friends uh, meeting some of you guys as well
0: yeah so um we met
1: uh is it linus yes so we met linus the painter yes yeah, stay dusty stay dusty yes on instagram so he is the he's the man responsible for the midweek debrief thumbnail
0: yeah yeah what what an absolute legend it was so cool to finally meet him because i had no idea where he lived i didn't actually really know his name he was a bit of like a kind of mysterious character yeah. and it was so cool to just bump into him at the beach race and, and and have a chat so uh yeah linus if you're listening it was great to meet you yes we had a pretty chilled evening didn't we on on the saturday night because you know, you just get so knackered. You can't underestimate being no. on the beach for like nine, ten hours and uh, all the adrenaline plus sunburn plus dehydration. Oh, exactly. You know, there's it's a lot.
1: It's, uh, I think it's the sea air. Yeah. I mean, the sea air all the time, you, t- you know, it takes it out of you. But um, we'd all had quite a late night on the Friday, early start on the Saturday and then into another late night on the uh, the Saturday night, ready to start Sunday. Yeah.
0: 100%. So how were you feeling on, on Sunday morning? You were raring to go.
1: Oh, yeah, I it was itching. Yeah. Couldn't wait. You know, my tyre was fixed. Everything was good. Your bike was good. Yeah. Everyone was in a great mood and uh, cruised down to the beach a bit later than the day before because we knew, you know, they'd be running late. Yeah. But they actually were a bit more on time on Sunday.
0: Yeah, that's always how it happens, isn't it? The, yeah. Yeah, because on this particular day, I, I decided not to race. and yeah. um, We haven't actually discussed your racing. Yeah, well, my racing went well. I, I just love it yeah uh, you know i get so into it i um you know the adrenaline's pumping i just get so focused but one of the like i think i told you like the reason that i didn't race on the sunday was because when i am racing i get like tunnel vision i get so focused on my own racing that i can't enjoy everyone else yeah and so I thought, actually, I've never done that in a ev be- event before and just, like, parked up the bike and... Uh, just spectated. Yeah, just spectated. And it was actually just really nice to, like, wander around, chat to people, obviously take a couple of snaps and, and just and just watch it. And obviously, yeah. the Sunday was so eventful as a spectator that, you know, I didn't feel like I was missing
1: out at all. Everything went on on the Sunday. So I kicked it off with the women's, and uh, one of our friends actually did very well. She, uh, spoiler alert, she came third overall in the entire beach race. So... Uh, Congrats to Christina. Yeah,
0: she was she did so so well. So you did a first your first few races. Very much enjoyed watching
1: those. What happened to your shifter lever? So this is the story that's been been plaguing the the midweek debrief account. Yeah. Um well, so it gone on to the, the doubles or the switchback, which is essentially I think it's about half the distance of the sprint, and then you do a one eighty and you come back. And that's the race. It's two people at a time. So I had done All my other racing for the day, pretty much. I'd done my sprint. I'd done my Malle 100, which was fantastic on the Sunday. The sand just felt better. But went into my first switchback and got off the line good, was ahead, got to the hairpin, went in. I was going slow, you know, five miles per hour because it's quite sketchy. It gets churned up that top corner Mm. and quite rutted. So I went in quite slow. And as I came out, I just gave it the beans and it spun the back all the way around. Um, So I dropped the bike, got back up, lifted it. And I could hear the, the guy who I was racing against coming behind me. So I thought, I've still got time to, you know, get back on the bike. Oh, so you were ahead. So I was ahead. So I quickly picked up the bike, still running, jumped back on it and just tore off towards the finish line. And as I was riding, the bike was revving up higher and higher and higher. And I went to go change gear and I put my foot down. You know, <laughs> there's just nothing there. <laughs> no. Your foot just goes through. And I look down, I just see, and I think, oh God, another one. <laughs> Wait, so basically, so you'd hit the deck yeah and then
0: had you kept the clutch in so you hadn't yeah you, you well, stayed no. in
1: gear what happened is because the, the the back wheel had lifted off the ground oh, when so it, had it just kept spinning over, so it just kept spinning so then when i picked it up i just clutched in oh i see kept it running and then just rode off and then yeah you know that gutting feeling of no shifter under your foot i've never felt that but well you haven't i've felt it many a time <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i can imagine it's horrible and uh, i well still beat the guy oh yeah well so... fair enough good effort <laughs> so i didn't lose but so did you go and fetch it well, I had to wait for the racing to finish. Oh! So this is me thinking my shifter lever or what's left of it is going to be buried in the sand and I'm going to have to ride back to London in second gear.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's no good. I tell you, it's, it's funny with these events, isn't it? Because uh, when you have a problem like that,
1: you all of a sudden the mood, the mood yeah. changes.
0: So what did you do?
1: Well, we waited for the racing to end and then a group of marshals and myself sort of dashed up there to the top corner and we searched around and luckily it had been kicked out Onto some of the smooth untouched sand. Ah, oh, perfect. So I picked it up. The end of the, what So what actually happened? The shifter lever was fine, but it snapped the shaft that goes into the engine. So your gear selector shaft. So it snapped the end of that off because what, what it is, it's sort of, it's got like a groove that's filed around the middle of it, which allows a pinch bolt to slip through and secure your shifter lever on. So it snapped there. It's the narrowest, weakest point. And I think the amount of times that I've dropped it on that side, it was weak already. It was weak already, so it just gave way, and the sand—you know—it didn't take much. Yeah,
0: fair enough. And so, were you thinking at this point that this was the end of your Malay Beach Race twenty
1: twenty three? Yeah, and I was thinking I'd have to leave the bike at the beach and uh, get a train home. It so was... what did you?
0: So what? What did you do? You got the got the shifter pulled pulled up onto the side, and uh, what was the solution?
1: So I asked around a few people, and some people said, "Oh, there's this guy that can do this, and this guy that can do that." And, and then uh, one of our other friends, he was busy racing and he was riding the SV650 with the yellow tank, motocross lid, ran over to him and I said, what happened? So he came out of the, he was still racing. So he came out of the, uh, the lineup, had a look at the bike and he said, oh yeah, we could probably sort that out. So he kept racing. I went back to the pits and then when he came back, he was like, yeah, right, let's get cracking. So he got the tools out and what we ended up doing was there was enough of the, the shifter shaft to put the actual gear selector back on. Yeah, So we had to use a hacksaw blade to shave off some of the splines to allow the pinch bolt to go through. And then luckily we managed to put the uh, (laughs) the shift lever back on just at a lower angle. So I managed to ride all the way back to London like that. Was that the end of your racing? That was. I did not want to take a chance. Yeah. I think that's wise. Yeah. I think that's wise. And did did the bike feel different? It's just, you know, you had to really angle your foot down to get it under the shifter. But most of my journey was motorway. So yeah. you know, it's up 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 to fifth and then cruise.
0: 100. percent So you joined the spectator team. And, I did indeed. Yeah, which is which is which is the best team. Now the final was so interesting, or the derby as they call it.
1: Yeah. So
0: Steb Night Moto, also known as Dan's Auto, who we've mentioned on the pod before, because he have, was yeah. he was the one that did your
1: pipes. He did my pipes. Yeah.
0: So he had come to me, or I'd, I'd, I'd I I basically was chatting with him earlier in the day and I was saying, "How are you? I haven't seen him in ages." And he was saying, um, he said, "Oh man, I'm really nervous." And um, you know, for the racing, so I said, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You always win, <laughs> or you know, almost." And yeah. uh, he said, "No, but well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna propose to my missus. You know, if I win." So I said, "Wow, okay, understood. You're nervous. That, that makes complete <laughs> is, sense." I yeah. a lot riding on this, and uh, and so he ended up in. He was in the Derby, of course. Yeah. You know he w- he was always going to be in the Derby on this uh, custom MTO 7 which he would built the frame from the ground I think, up. I think
1: it's just a built beach racer. Yeah, it,
0: it purely it, for that event. Hundred percent, it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, all credit to him for that because it's it's a wonderful build. Yeah. Now he was there. Must have been about five people, five six people left, and he was he was in a race, and basically I think he had just gone into first gate, given it the beans, and and the chain had just spun off the rear sprocket.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so obviously everyone's going no no. And the guy who was racing was on a was on just like a stock bonnie <laughs> or a stock scrambler or whatever and he couldn't believe his luck he's like off into the distance he looks back and he's like oh no way no i'm beating Danis." yeah and so obviously Danis then uh pushes it to the side and everyone's over the bike it's like come on you know the crowd's gone quiet and you know in true Dana's style he's got like spanners in his pocket yep. so they they come straight out the rear you know everything's loosened and he starts tightening up the chain and you know i think we were all hoping that he was he was going to get back on the horse yeah. as it were and and he did and he was then in the final against that guy with the uh, the sort of ape hangers yeah. in line four thing. So
1: the the bike is called Frank. Oh, you know the After bike? After Frankenstein. I know the bike. Okay. And the rider is called Obed. And I think he's been to quite a few Malay events. I think he does all of them. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, well, that bike's a weapon.
0: Yeah, and as is he. I mean, he rides it. Oh, he's a lunatic. Yeah, yeah, a real lunatic. Uh, but anyway, they set off, and this was on the switchback. Danners gets in front. Takes the corner first. Yeah. I don't think, I was looking back on the video, I don't think he left first gear for the race. I don't think so. It's just he went right
1: up. Because he just sits on the red line. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, so he wins the race, circles back round, kind of blasts straight past Johnny and Robert, drops the bike on the floor and gets on one knee and proposes to his girlfriend. Amazing. I mean, what a story, what an end. Yeah. And it's so cool because in all the Malay events we've been to, he's always been the favourite to win. He has. And for whatever reason, he he never seems to have won. Yeah. I mean, not at least at the ones that we've been to. So it's so cool to see him win. And, he, you know, I think he really deserved that. Yeah, well deserved. It's always an interesting feeling, isn't it, when the beach race or any Malay event is over because, you know, you've got to ride home and you've done like a full weekend of racing and it's not really what you want to do.
1: No, your boots are full of sand and you're a bit sunburnt and you've got all the luggage and you've got to heave it back onto the bike. And then, you know, it's a, a decent ride home. I mean, for some people, some people came from quite far. Oh, yeah. Europe and really far up north so it's actually quite fortunate for us but even so you know it's a, it's a long old trek
0: yeah it feels it feels longer than than it actually is i think just because of how tired you are but you know one thing that's so nice is that we just had the most beautiful sunset as we were leaving yeah. it's like you know we all had our headphones in like properly sort of ready for ready for that kind of ride and it was exactly the same thing last year it was just like you have some good music playing yeah. obviously you were listening to some sort of lecture yes. and so maybe you didn't have the same <laughs> no, level of enjoyment not quite. Uh, but even still, you know, just the dry roads, dual carriageway, yeah. and it's always such a, like a marker of spring, and the trees are fully converted, and that's know, it. And then you are seeing cars go by, like vans, you know, people yeah. sticking their hands out the window, all the race people.
1: stickers and stuff down the sides. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. That's always cool. Yeah, it was. It was a nice ride back. It was. It was really good. And then. Yeah, we peeled off. I think uh sorry about that, I just blasted ahead. I no, was it's all good. I had to cross London and it was already like eight thirty, nine PM and yeah. I just I was looking at I had my um I had my quadlock thing on and my maps were saying like, you know, ten fifteen pm and I was like, oh, all right. So I just thought I'd lay lay it down a give bit. give it the beans, yeah. Yeah, so I'd gone ahead and I I had some good tunes playing and that stretch of the A two as it sweeps after oh, Medway so far oh, over the bridge, up the hill, it's just like yeah, yeah it was amazing. <laughs> and uh and I'm cruising and then as the A two becomes more kind of suburban and stuff you know it turns into a 50, 50 yeah and then you have your first set of traffic lights yes uh you kind of come it's like on a right hand sweeping right hander, yeah yeah exactly so i pull up at the right and uh, at the light sorry and uh and there's a van up next to me and they wind down their window and i'm sort of turning down the music on my phone and he's asking me he's like what what bike is that what bike is so i try and Scrambler? uh you know it's one of these things i can barely hear the guy and he's asking me is that 350 i said no it's a 900 and then he's saying what are those boots like and i was like yeah they're great and we had this kind of show, oh it's a nice bike and he had his mate yeah nice bike." it's like yeah thank you and uh they were in some sort of carpentry vans so i wasn't sure whether they were malay goats or not probably not yeah anyway so uh and they're like oh yeah it sounds great so i was like cheers anyway the light goes amber light goes green we've got people honking because we're chatting and um so i thought well, i'll give them a quick sound bite of the of the yeah. scramble because i would just been cruising in like yeah. fifth gear at 50. Um so I pulled away, I waited, I was sort of second gear, third gear, had them up next to me, and they had they'd winded the windows down, they kept them down. Yeah. So I basically just unloaded, I gave it the full, full beans and third gear. Came off the gas and uh and then they come right up next to me and I'm expecting the kind of oh thumbs up thing, and he's dead straight and he's tapping his head, he's like, Rot, please, please, please. No And I my heart dropped. Oh shit. And it was, you go kind of under a bit of like a tunnel and yeah. it's all, it just echoes. So I came off the gas, I'm on the brakes and you have that immediate feeling of like, this is it. Yeah. And I looked behind me and it's undercover blue flashing lights. No. And so there's a lay-by right there and I just panicked and so I didn't stop and I was just rolling on. And uh, so I indicated left and just kind of moved in and the police car just went whoosh, straight ahead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so... um. The van had kind of they 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 were like five or six lengths ahead of me, and so I just opened back up on the gas, and I was turning off then at the Lewisham roundabout. Yeah, and they had what like, their windows down. I was just like, "Thank you so much, absolute legend. They're like, "Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I hate that feeling. Oh, it was horrible, and like the whole way home, I was I was kept seeing blue lights, like hittering sirens. Yeah, it, was, it it's haunts awful. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it reminded me that. You know, when summer comes, you've got to be pretty careful, actually, because it's so easy to just be in the in that mood and yeah,
1: well, I know um, all too well.
0: So yeah, what a weekend! What a weekend! And uh it'll be the same again at the mile.
1: Yeah, and big thanks to the Malay team for hosting, as yeah. always. Uh, they they they're so good with all they do. Yeah,
0: they are. Right, shall we move on to our guess the engine game?
1: Let's do it. So, I've got one from one of our listeners. Oh, okay. Someone's written in. So someone has written in and sent me their bike. So it's Alexander Sheen, and he sent me a sound clip of his bike. It's a kickstart, and it has an aftermarket exhaust. Cool. So here we go.
0: so it's kickstart it just sounds like a single it is a single yeah hmm okay so it's basically it's not going to be a new bike is it because no new bikes no. have kickstart it's going to be probably pre-2000 yeah yeah so it's like an old it's an old single it doesn't sound it doesn't sound revvy like like a motocross bike so I'm going to say it's it's maybe almost something that would be in the lightweights at Malay yeah, yeah probably like on the so, right lines yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah something a Japanese single it is a Japanese single. Okay, so it's Japanese um, kickstart single Yamaha. It is a Yamaha. Okay, is it a Yamaha?
1: Uh, is it a, It's an SR400. <laughs> it's an SR400. It yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So it's like an SR400 that's been turned into like a, a brat style cafe racer.
0: Oh, that's lovely. So it's got
1: like the Firestone tires and the low drag pipes. And yeah, it's quite a cool little thing. Oh, man i tell you i was uh i didn't have much in the bank there <laughs> it was, in terms of
0: yamaha four Ooh, strokes quite and niche. Those, yeah it is quite niche actually right now uh no one sent me anything for you so i okay. had to uh do my own research and find you something but this is an interesting one you ready ready
1: interesting a little pop and a bang there so i want to say <laughs> that it's carved you'd be right okay now i'm just torn between whether it's a single or a twin well what does your gut say my gut says single yeah well the gut's always right the gut's always right okay so we've got a single that's carved okay is it a small capacity single like 125 yes it is it is a small capacity single small capacity single okay so it's not a 125 no it's a 50 <laughs> yes <laughs> is it a cub
0: no. no monkey bike yes
1: <laughs> so it's a honda z50 yes monkey yeah, bike. yeah
0: correct correct <laughs> that's brilliant man i'm gonna i'm gonna have to make these harder for you somehow if anyone out there has a really niche sounding bike we need to test jed because <laughs> he just gets them
1: all well someone sent me a rotary bike a few weeks ago <laughs> like that one we saw at the uh bottoms auction at mcn oh yeah well my knowledge of rotary bikes isn't great so i'm glad you glad you couldn't find that DM. mine. well Another good week
0: Guess the Engine. Yeah, it was. Now time for a couple of questions.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Now I wanna
0: kick things off because we had someone send in a, a DM a couple of weeks ago and it was, a, it was a it was a good long question. So I thought we'd get that done first. Yeah, let's So this do is it. from Joe Healy and he's got, it's a two part question. So he goes, hi both, just discover your pod, really enjoying it, have a couple of questions. He says, I live in Southeast London. I have a very, very small garden and would like to get a motorcycle for down here. I have an Interceptor back in Yorkshire where I split my time. What are your suggestions for how to best keep a bike secure down here? There's potentially space to have a shed made due to the odd shape
1: of my garden. How should he secure his bike? So I kept both of my bikes in a garden. Yeah, you've you've almost had this exact situation. I've had the exact situation. So the garden that I had access to at the time was, you know, was the end of terrace house. So I had the gate down the side of it to get to the street. So I could get push the bikes in there, close the gate. But it was just wooden uh, panel fencing. And there was a shed in there, but it was all just full of junk. So what I did is I didn't really have slabs or anywhere to put the bikes. So I I went to B&Q, got some concrete slabs, and I laid them down. I made two spots for the bikes. And then fortunately, I had like a a brick bench that was built into the corner of the garden. And I bought one of those ground anchors. And I drilled it into the brick bench. And then I got two chains through the ground anchor, through each wheel of the bike, and then a disc lock on. And then I just got some of the Oxford Stormex cover, like the really thick, heavy-duty cover. And that's how I kept the bikes for a good, a good bit of time. And the only issue I ever had was one time I'd been out of town for the day, and I came back, and someone had lifted the wooden fence panels out of their like concrete posts because they just sort of slide in, they drop down. So someone had lifted them out and left them on the pavement. I don't know if they'd seen me riding in. Um, who knows? So what I did is I, I secured the fence panels with some metal banding. And then if you go on Amazon, you can buy like dummy CCTV cameras. This is classic advice. The, well, you know, it's a No, deterrent. no, no. I'm also bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get the camera and it's essentially just a plastic body with a lens in it yeah. that takes a couple of AA batteries with a red flashing LED. It's screwed it to the wall and it's got a cable that looks like it goes into the into the brickwork. And I never had any issues. And I used to see this little camera with the red LED blinking and, you know, people think oh, that's a camera.
0: Fair enough. Now, the second part of his question is, what are your thoughts on the Royal Enfield Hunter 350? This is the bike I'm thinking of getting to commute to work and the odd occasional ride out to Whitstable.
1: Mm, I, I mean, I can appreciate what Royal Enfield have tried to do with it. Yeah. To make like a cheaper entry-level bike, you know, that's new and it's got the tech. Yeah. But I'm just not a fan. Okay. i just, yeah. <laughs> i'm not gonna beat around the bush <laughs> no i, I, I like respect not
0: the honesty yeah, yeah. What, uh, so what, what do you not
1: like about it well first impressions i got from it is very cheap yeah so you, they've, they've obviously cut corners to get the price point where it is um but it just feels very plasticky like the rubber grips almost feel like plastic and the indicators are like hollow plastic chrome and it's all a bit sort of just cheap it almost feels like a sinus or something <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um and okay. then we're going down to Whitstable, uh, 350. <laughs> you'd be screaming it uh, to keep up with traffic, and every hill would be a downshift. So, uh, it's a no from me.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, what would you get if if, if you were him? How much do they sell for? I haven't uh, even looked. I think they're about three and a half grand.
1: Three and a half grand. Okay, so for three thousand pounds, you can get a carb Bonneville like mine.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> your advice is classy. is always get your bike is the answer. So, uh,
1: <laughs> get get my bike. Or even an... In- well, he's- has he got an interceptor? Yeah, he's got an Inceptor up north. Oh, get another one. <laughs> well, so he could just twin it. Yeah, yeah, he's two interceptors. Fair enough. So I have a question. One question, because we did put the questions out a bit late this week. So it's from The Knots Bobber. And he says, how is it riding on sand? I imagine it looks harder than it looks. So what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, it's definitely harder than it looks. It all, I think it all depends on whether you've had experience off-road before. Yeah, 100%. And I think this is like the biggest factor because if you have, then you know what it's like to have the bike kind of squirming under you Yeah. and you get comfortable with that feeling. Whereas I think if you've gone from road riding and you've got yourself a modern classic and then you hear about Malay and you enter the beach race, yeah. I can imagine the first time you get on the sand, you think, what on what earth is going on because it's such an unusual feeling. It's it a is. little bit like when you drive a car in ice for the first time, you just... The steering it's goes... alien. Oh. Yeah, it's completely alien. And so... You know, it, yeah. If you haven't ridden in the sand before, it's going to feel really weird and uh, unpredictable, and you definitely don't want to be on a bike with too much power. I mean, like, it, like more than twenty horsepower. Yeah. Because you're just going to spin it up, and and ha- there's a potential to really mess up. Mm. Um. But if you've got experience, then uh then you'll know you'll know what it's like. But I mean, even having said that, like, I'd only ever ridden like enduro bikes on the yeah. sand and then when you get on a heavy because our bikes are like more than 200 kilograms yeah, 230 kilos and even with noblies it's uh you really have to muscle them around and kind of respect the machine yeah i would say so yeah basically take it easy yeah is 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 the advice i'd give now paul lagan has asked do you have to have noblies
1: well i saw this weird it was like a twin engine scooter or something that was at the beach race this year and it was on road tires really and it did the mallet one hundred and I was watching, it and he was going around you know at a decent pace, yeah, but nobblies are definitely hundred percent the better answer for uh, for any sort of off road riding Because yes, they must. just they just dig in the sand better and they provide the traction it's almost like if you were to take race slicks and uh you know ride in the rain you know the MotoGP g p riders they they put wet tires on yeah because they've got more tread um so yeah Nobleys hundred percent all the way
0: stay dusty stay dusty is asking uh can Jed's shifter lever be moved over to the other side?
1: <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it might um, it might benefit because I really don't want to drop the bike on the right side because I've just got those fresh pipes. So yes. Maybe if I just clear the left side out, use that as my bin it side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might be the answer. Cool. Great. Massive thanks
0: to Motone again.
1: Yeah, big thanks to Motone. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week. See you next week at the DGR. At the DGR. Yeah. In a bit, you then. Bye bye.